I never did find my suitcase. United Airlines just sent me a check for 150 bucks to cover the expenses I approximated on my lost baggage report. My only regret then is that I didn't report more. I got a little lazy about the clothing replacement costs and things. But I probably should have walked away with more like 1200 bucks. Such is life. And I bought AirTags, ladies and gentlemen. I'm tired of hearing you ask me when I tell you my baggage horror story. Why I didn't buy AirTags. And I gave my wife a set as well. She loves them. Other little family happenings. Um, well, I'm back in Turkey. Turkey. Um, ready for another semester. Ready for some more action. We just got charged for a year's worth of car insurance for a car we don't own anymore. In fact, we haven't owned that car for over a year. So that's fun. My son is in a fight for his life as he was slipped a drug by a colleague at school and almost had a cardiac incident. That colleague is in the process of trying to say my wife and my son threatened him. If true, my son would be expelled. With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? Some of the crab mentality and society around my family there. Thankfully, we have enormous amount of evidence to support my son's case, that he was indeed suffering and under duress when he made any remarks. So pray for us, if you're a spiritual person. Life never gets dull. Welcome back to my TCK podcast, where we answer ridiculous questions like, where are you from? This podcast is a mix of things, partly my story, partly other people's stories, giving people an inside look at the lives of those who have grown up living cross-culturally or highly transient lives, or a little bit or a lot of both. Season two is here. I want to thank my listeners, for supporting the first 18 episodes of what we can call a successful pilot, the board of directors, me, myself, and I, decided to keep things going. So get excited. I'm excited. And to kick things off, I have an amazing interview with author, sociologist, and therapist, Dr. Rachel Kaysen. Most of her life's work has been dedicated to TCKs and their stories. She grew up as a TCK. She recently released her book earlier this year called Incredible Lives and the Courage to Live Them, Thoughts of a Third Culture Kid Therapist. Let's listen in on our conversation. Uh, hi, Rachel. Welcome to my TCK podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, uh, it is a super pleasure uh, to have you on, and I was encouraged to get prominent voices in on my podcast early and often, and so you're one of the first um, to talk about our TCK community, 
And so I really do appreciate your time and, That's a privilege. and your book. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Before we get into your book, I would like to ask you the ridiculous question. Uh, you are a TCK <laughs> after all. So I will go ahead and let you try and tell me where you're from. Oh, Lordy, you went and did it, didn't you? Um, yes. I am from, no, I'm going, ah, I grew up in, I start with I grew up in, I'm going to sidestep it completely. I grew up in Niger, West Africa, to missionary parents who were British. I am white and I now live in the UK, in England, in a smallish market town, which I have made my home. So I am from here now. Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I cheated, and, didn't I? <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, and you can do whatever you want with that question um, as much as you want. Uh, you are the expert, after all. <laughs> I am the author of my story. I will not be constrained. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a, a, a surprise question for you. I actually didn't send this to you, um, but um, Brilliant. I, I thought a good transition into into your book. Um, yeah, that's me. Was uh, what gave you a passion to be a therapist for TCKs? Because I needed one. Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> no, it, it came out of my um, doctoral research. I was using life story interviewing. And I chose that methodology because I was an insider researcher and I didn't want to impose my story on everybody else's. And I, I had a sense of the variances out there at the same time as there being this common thread business as well. But as I was doing life story interviews, there was something alchemical almost happening in that shared moment between me and the TCK in front of me where they were hearing their own story in a way they'd not heard it before. And just in hearing their own chapters combine into one space and time, because we normally chapter it up, we normally pass it out depending on who our audience is very often. So that kind of yes. actually bringing the whole story into one space where it was understood, where they didn't have to provide huge long caveats and historical explanations, just did something really therapeutic and I was watching people encounter themselves in a way that just seemed really powerful so when I wrapped up that PhD side of things I wanted more of it I could see the use of it I could see the magic in front of me and I could see what it could have done for me actually at a certain age so I started asking people if they would feel that they benefited from that experience from that moment and life story therapies was born i'm in my eighth year of practice now and it's just grown really i think we are we're at a time where people are increasingly understanding the importance of story it's a real buzzword at the moment which is fabulous it was very validating if that makes sense i, I was operating off a hunch a hunch with you know, PhD data behind me, but mm -hmm. our community is very disparate. And in the UK, there aren't really these kind of alumni mukapa things going on um, mm -hmm. or um, FIGT round every corner. Like that that's not 
that that wasn't something that was near me. So it was a hunch that if I was experiencing this, I wasn't the only one. And it turned out very much the case. There's a lot of us that feel this. Let's talk about your book. And your book was uh, launched in April uh, somewhere about, <laughs> right? Um, it, it all blurred <clears throat> together in my head. <laughs> yes. And since I am publishing as well and all that, that type of stuff, the blur is very real to me. Um, but it, it has been out for less than a year and I've had a chance to read a lot of it. And I'm going to say this now and reiterate it in, you know, at the end um, that I really do highly recommend it to anyone uh, who is a TCK. Highly, highly recommend it. It's easy to read. The chapters are not huge. You don't use a lot of technical language, but you, you still come across, you know, as the expert that you are and, um, it's just extremely helpful, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. I hope you don't mind. Some of my story does come out Absolutely. a little bit in 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 talking about your book on this podcast. The title, of course, Incredible Lives and the Courage to Live Them, Thoughts of a Third Culture Kid Therapist. There's a lot in the title. This is the and, academic um, in me that can't shorten things <laughs> right yeah well i i know what it's like to be in search of a title oh, and dear. uh that was painful <laughs> i love it i love it and it it explains it you know after reading the book you can say yeah the title is definitely spot on i'd like to start by talking about something that you've said on page 26 talking about who tck's are uh if you don't mind Mm-hmm. Uh, you said often you hear stories of TCKs who felt that they are somehow uh, or some, sorry, they suddenly felt like they didn't count as TCK enough. Yeah. And ever since I started this podcast, I've been on the road to discovery how important it is not to draw distinctions about what a TCK is. And that's been extremely important. And I suddenly realized that my TCK experience, uh, the podcast is much bigger than, you know, even being a TCK because a lot of the stories that we have resonate with a lot of different people. A lot of people either maybe they've moved from state to state in the United States, they're military brats, uh, first generation immigrants, multilinguals from bicultural family that lived in one place. There's been a lot of people that I've gotten feedback from that have said, hey, actually, I have these experiences too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you say, uh, so here is the crux of my understanding of what it means to be a third culture kid. We are TCKs, not because of who we are now, but because we shared similar experiences around mobility, transition, and cross-cultural living then, right, in the past, growing up. And so how did you come to this understanding? I was seeing similar themes show up a lot with TCKs, both through my research and my therapeutic work. But the themes are not automatic determiners for how somebody is experiencing that issue or construct or event. So some TCKs become very focused and around stability. Others feel very nervous around stability. The issue is stability and change that's the theme 
but they're individuals and they're going to react differently to them. Mm. And it seems to me really, really important that we stay focused on these catalyst events that are what we have in common. Because mm. as soon as we create lists of behaviours or symptoms or however you want to construe them, or even kind of what I've seen sometimes is almost a sort of sense of a TCK personality type, we become gatekeeping mm. and exclusionary. And then the person that isn't multilingual or the person whose idea of travel is, you know, a few hours drive away rather than plane rides, mm-hmm. they're, they're out of the club. And, and that, to me, misses the point entirely. We're not talking about a chosen sense of experiencing the world or value system. We're talking about shared experiences in our developmental years to which we may react differently. Does that land? Yes, of course. Um, and I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Um, I'm just staring at my, my next question. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, it lands. And I'm trying to hold that to another chapter in your book. We need to tell our stories, right? We need to tell our stories. The book I'm writing now has turned into my story. And I I don't remember all that we had talked about before, but um, my book has transformed into my stories and about the people that I've met all around the world. And it's really become a culmination of who I am today as a person. And so this is a really important conversation for me, actually, to have with you as I'm writing it on page 31, you say choosing our audience is important here. It is important to protect tender places in our story from indelicate and insensitive prodding. The worst culprit for this is sometimes our own selves. We reject our own experiences where they shame or worry us. And every time I say the word shame, you're going to see tears come to my eyes because That's exactly been the problem is that parts of our story told in a certain place will cause incredible shame, right? Told in other places, I'm surrounded by people who completely understand what happened to me and and what what was going on, you know? Um, And so that's quite uh, true in my life and it's been agonizing in a sense that I'm putting all these stories into one place. So you're going to get different readers. Yeah. I hear the courage that that takes. That, that has implications, Um, but important ones, I, I think, because as the title of your book suggests the courage, you know, to share them, we, we need to have the courage and in a sense, we need to, to know that our story really matters. Um, and I, yeah. I just really appreciate that. Do you have any thoughts on that or? Well, you, you express it beautifully. Um, and and I, I think what I can hear you doing in your process as well is reconciling your own feelings about your stories as you prepare to share them with the world. And I think that's what telling our stories does is mm. 
it really confronts us with how we feel about that story. And yeah. that's the magic is we get to encounter our own, oh, I didn't like that version of me or mm. sadness that that happened to that version of me or, or delight and then grief that that version of me doesn't feel as accessible anymore. And we really bump up against our story in a way that invites relationship with our full self. There's a lot of fragmentation that I hear TCKs living with about their different selves and this this sense of distance from prior versions. Mm. And our stories have the capacity to bring all of those characters into one room and introduce them to each other. They don't all have to be besties, but they're all part of our now and they're coming with us. <laughs> so we might all, as well all get yeah. on. <laughs> and if we can do that with ourselves, then sharing our story more broadly out of that little greenhouse place that we found with a therapist or with family, with friends, can become increasingly more confident because now the reactions don't matter so much. We're on our own side. Mm-hmm. We're here for us. Yes. And um, the timing I mean, the timing of this interview, reading your book uh, has just been, you know, out of this world. Mm. So let's talk about some TCK issues that we all experience. One, uh, you talk about in the chapter, struggling with doldrums. <laughs> uh, when a TCK stands still, uh, quoted in your book, frightening. When we stand still longer than we are used to, right? We are. Mm-hmm. And this brings to mind... Um, I was in Korea not long ago. I worked in Korea for four and a half years. My wife and children were in the Philippines. I got stuck in Korea for extended time because of COVID-19. And I suddenly sat there and realized the apartment I had lived in was the longest I had lived anywhere my entire 43 years in existence. I had been in one place for four and a half years. It broke the barrier of any prior you know, existence on the mission field, in the military. Um, I was born when my parents were in, you know, in the mix and and doing their, you know, various things. And so that felt interesting, you know. Um, But I feel like I've outgrown this. I'm tired. I'm tired. I want stability and boredom. You know, I, I want the the experience of not having to get reacquainted with my children, you know, with my wife, I want to get, you know, tired of them in a sense, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, you guys are in my life, you know, we're doing the, the same things or, yeah. or whatever. I, I just want those experiences. I mean, I just, uh, my wife and I had a bit of conflict this morning because of the distance and airports we talked about earlier. Uh, yeah. They give me more anxiety uh, then excitement at this point, you know, I don't mm-hmm. go to the airport excited about where I'm going. I go to the airport thinking what's going to be pulled out of my bag next. Am I going to get detained at New York airport? Am I going to lose another suitcase? Yeah. So, so many things I'm tired of. And yeah. when I was back home recently with my family, the one thing I just really enjoyed was suffering. This may sound really strange, but I was there suffering through the pains that my wife had had, you know, and and the complaints that my kids had. I loved it. I loved it because I was there for her. I was there, you know, kind of battling it out. And I just thought, and then I had to leave again. I had to come back here to Turkey. 
And it just felt wrong. Everything about it just felt extremely wrong leaving. Hmm. So over, I don't know, the last 20, 25 years, I've noticed that my judgment really suffers in transition and change. I'm wondering, am I losing my TCK-ness? Not at all. <laughs> um, okay. Very often, not exclusively at all, but very often the, the TCKs I'm working with are TCKs who are tired, tired of the movement, tired of the instability that the movement is bringing. And yet the staying over long periods, however desired it is, can be so unfamiliar to the brain um, that it's quite frightening, unsettling, or simply hard to interpret. And the other thing is, is that while we can get done with the geographical movement, what I sometimes see is that we might end up still trying to find outlets for newness in other ways as well. I think a lot of us end up in a place where we need to find novelty and change in a way that does not upend our lives, <laughs> in, unless we've chosen to upend our lives. You know, it's sort of controlled, right. integrated shifting. Whereas for a lot of us growing up, the way that change came was all at once. So mm. partial change, negotiated change, prepared for change. We might just have less data around options there. Um, and that mm -hmm. can take practice. Um, negotiating with the mundane to change it up a bit um, while still benefiting from the familiarity. Um, yeah. Nuance. Um, I'm suddenly curious. Do you have any like examples of that? Like a, I'm assuming that you have had to employ some of those as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. When you were talking about the longest place you've lived somewhere, my personal record is eight years now. Mm. And I remember the, the moment it became four years, I think. That was my, I ended up staying in that place for eight. But at four years, I had about two weeks. I think you called it interesting. I thought I was losing my mind. Um, I spent two weeks feeling totally ungrounded, um, emotional, confused, slightly manic. <laughs> um, and then I sort yeah. of went, okay, something's happening. I need, and sort of life storied myself, if you like, and kind of went, what is going on in my context? What's going on in my landscape? And realized that nothing, <laughs> I just yeah. stayed. But what, came with that was th little things like furniture needing to be replaced but a piece at a time not all at once mm. um clothing needing to be cycled out whereas it instead of it being like a all at once situation like some things in my life at that four year mark were changing but not everything so my entire system was gearing up in a kind of mm -hmm. adrenaline-fueled, okay, I know how to do this, and it had nowhere to go because it was moderate change. It was partial change. And I needed to be able to sustain some things and change others and have the wisdom to know which. <laughs> and that was new, yes. really new. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, 
I mean, uh, just something as small as a wardrobe change, you know, Absolutely. or, or, yeah. um, um, is, is helpful in a sense, it's giving you kind of a new lease on life or, or just a new habit or a new hobby or a new, new something, Absolutely. right? A new something. Yeah. We're not always great at, at validating those smaller things. It can be, you know, a relationship change oh I should change my job as well or what about this country <laughs> it sort of snowballs yeah. rather than yeah. I could just change one variable and see what happens mm. and then I could change nice. another variable if I want to so it kind of brings some of the change or the control back into your court a little bit right, right. the decision making rather than yeah. like you said disruptive change that upends our life, a lot of what we've experienced. Let's talk about chameleons, right? A very common term. Uh, many of us TCKs are familiar with. Uh, we are chameleons, you know, the little animal one of my favorite Disney films of all time is Tangled. Actually, I think it is my favorite uh, Disney film of all time. Of course, she does have, you know, her little sidekick is a chameleon changes yeah. colors, right? Yeah. Uh, based on their surroundings. And this this has been, you know, one of the most helpful things from your book. Hmm. Um, in your book, it says, perhaps like me, talking about yourself, the seeking of validation became your life's work. In other words, a big part of our life is always validating ourselves with the people around us, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, just making sure that we are being appropriate to the situation, yes. that we are accommodating our context. I have a friend. He's actually my best friend. I mean, we, I call him my best friend. Um, I mean, we we're like brothers. We fight like brothers. We've been friends for, for a number of years. And one of the things I'm always jealous about is the fact that he can create a lot of awkwardness because he really doesn't change as a person. Uh, he's, he's the same Todd that, you know, Todd is. And it's just like, Oh, that's Todd. You know, he's the one who helped me get a job in Korea. And, and so I went to Korea and I found out how Asian I was in Korea, mostly but I think I found out how much of a chameleon and how much I was able to fit into the Asian context that was around me and Todd was not. And so constantly I was embarrassed by the things that Todd would do, you know, and then further on, I was on an international church board and I was completely horrified at what Americans would do. And then I'd kept you know, I'm like sweating because I'm thinking, what are these Koreans think of these Americans? And then I realized that none of these people in the room had the anxiety that I had. <laughs> they didn't feel, they didn't feel anything. Yeah. And I realized that this has a lot to do with me being a TCK and this, 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 this chameleon aspect, this a skill as you were right. That we Absolutely. change colors so this is probably the biggest question for me in this interview. And I, because I'm writing a book encouraged by others, you know, who have been kind of in the expat community, larger expat community. And they talk about how TCKs are bridge builders, right? 
And uh, yeah, and I, I could see her face. Um, <laughs> so and the, the name of my book is Building Bridges, Can We Love and Relate in a Polarized World? And really after <laughs> reading, reading your book, I start to realize how much of my experiences were not purposefully me going about loving and relating. They were sometimes my clumsy attempts at trying to fit in right into different segments of society. And and I guarantee you, if you go back through and read my book, you're going to find out it's exactly that it's me lacking a lot of times me lacking boundaries and coming across a world of people that I'd never regret meeting, but I can't exactly say it's a superpower and it was my ability to build bridges all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it makes me so excited to hear you reflect on that um, yes. so openly. One of, I mean, I'm looking over to my right because I have a stuffed chameleon on my shelf um, that is tie-dye, multicolored, and one of the things, it, it's just such an icon of the, the TCK community, but what we don't talk about is that they are largely very vulnerable prey animals um they are changing color to try to live and not get eaten Mm. this isn't a kind of this is a great skill that could be really useful to other people in my community right now (laughs) it's a please don't eat me sir please don't eat me reaction and we're we're creating a virtue out of something children have learned to do to make their lives easier um Mm. And we're we're naming it um, a skill set, but we're also claiming it as a character trait. And I think Mm. I would like to see as a a dissociation of those two. A character trait is something we have to be, otherwise we've failed as a person. (laughs) I have to be Mm. honest, otherwise I have failed my character. If we tell TCKs they are bridge builders, we are naming their character for them. So the moment they want to engage in healthy conflict, they have failed their calling in life Mm. that's a bit much (laughs) if we call it a skill we make it optional and we acknowledge that there are moments where adapting and blending in is absolutely aligned with our personal agenda and end goal Um, and there are some times where our personal agenda and end goal is not going to be helped by changing color and we get to have a personal Indeed. agenda and end goal that isn't simply bridge building. 100%. And, I, and I, it's really been a journey of my own. And I guess it's come, obviously, completely um, it's become obvious to me as I explore the different corners of my life and then suddenly realize, hey, I've been wanting to believe, you know, one thing and then realize, no, this is actually not something that I should have done. (laughs) You know what I mean? A healthy individual would have done, would have rejected this or would have said, I don't want to have anything to do with it or, but I didn't, you know, and I didn't really have the ability to do so because of desperately wanting to fit in to whatever that place was, whether it was a cult in, you know, in the middle of London, um, a Navy environment that was definitely not healthy I hear you. And I've, I've seen myself yeah. do it. I nearly got, you know, one of these internet 
computer scam situations. And it was it was humiliating, but it was precisely that moment of I know the guy at the end of the phone is scamming me, but I must not confront him and let him know that I know. I will adapt and be who he needs me to be at this moment, which is utterly gullible until I put down the phone and change all my passwords and hope to God that I didn't get scammed. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous yes. because I could, it, I mean, it isn't. It's it's part of my story because my yes. value priority is more about relationship and harmony than it is about personal safety. And that's where we need to be really careful with children. If we've prioritized harmony for them as a, that makes them a better person than their personal safety, we are setting up people in a very vulnerable place. That has huge implications. And I really hope, you know, for anybody listening that, you know, that's something that they can really healthily identify, you know, that mm. um, boundaries are great. Awkwardness <laughs> is great. You know, not wanting to be around certain types of people is, you know, is not a, a sin. Uh, you know, it's just so many things. And so, yeah, this is just all super helpful. That concludes the first half of a poignant and amazing dive into the mechanics of being a TCK with Dr. Rachel Kaysen. There's certainly enough here to get online immediately and buy her book, I feel. It really helped me think more about why I do the things that I do. Maybe you're like me, feeling shame for a part of your story. Realizing that events and habits or interactions around you happen because you're like a chameleon, frightened. You'll be named as much of an imposter as you feel at times, and that's scary. But we need to put that together. It brings tremendous peace, and it allows me then to make difficult choices to control my behaviors, bring in the people that I want in my life, form proper boundaries, etc. Maybe you have trouble with large commitments and need to practice small changes like I have, going from boxer shorts to boxer briefs. Whatever it might be, everybody's story is different. Hang on to your seats because there is a bonus round with Rachel. We get into some very sensitive subjects in our bonus round, like racism and imperial language, or sorry, and language imperialism. Two white people talking about <laughs> racism and language imperialism. And finally, for those of you who are kids of diplomats or missionaries, we talk about calling versus familiarity coming out from the shadow of our parents so stay tuned i look forward to sharing that with all of you until next time <laughs>